take our Bibles tonight and be turning to the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll start there. We're going to read a few verses there just to refresh our memory, and then we're going to turn to another passage in Peter. But we'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I was encouraged by all the preaching and the singing of the services here uh, while we've been gone. We've listened to all of them, I think, now. And... Um, but I was especially encouraged by Sunday night's service and the singing and the young people preaching. And it was just uh, it was a blessing and encouragement to me. And we, we were just thrilled, my wife and I. And um, so thanks to everyone who had a part in it. It's just a, it's a really uh, an encouragement thing about the future. And uh, we look forward to more days like that. Adrian wanted to preach, actually, but they couldn't work her into the schedule, but maybe next time. I know she has some important things she'd like to say, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 6. We read from this passage two weeks ago on a Sunday night and uh, studied about uh, holiness and separation, and we'll start with that and then turn to a passage a little further into the New Testament. Let's stand together if you're able to stand for the reading of the Word of God. And let's just read over these verses to kind of, as I said earlier, refresh our memory. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's just read beginning in verse 17, where the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There's a blessing associated with separation. If we, if we turn away from the things that God is not pleased with and we turn to God, He, he blesses that. Verse 18 says, And I will, will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then verse 1 of chapter 7, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, I'm not going to spend more time on this passage tonight, but I do want to just emphasize that last phrase of verse 1 because we'll, we'll mention it again later. Per perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, let's turn... If we could, over to 1 Peter. We can do that, can't we? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read a few verses and then pray. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. Peter writes, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You notice the sentence doesn't, begin, doesn't end there. It continues into verse 14 and 15 and 16. So verse 14 then says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy 
and all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I want to speak tonight on the subject of being holy and being holy. Being holy and being holy. Got it? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the privilege it's ours to assemble like this. Lord, to experience the love that you put in our heart for, for you and for your word and for one another. And Lord, as we go through the scripture tonight, help us to be attentive to your word and to the spirit of God. We pray that you'd just give us a balanced perspective, a good perspective on this whole subject of holiness. And Lord, we know there are a lot of uh, erroneous ideas and thoughts about holiness. We can get into a ditch on either side of the road, but we pray that you'd help us tonight just to receive and apply and uh, let the Word of God work in us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In this uh, passage we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, this, as I said earlier, the sentence begins in verse 13 and goes down through verse 16. And I think it's good to look at, when you look at a verse of Scripture, to look at the whole sentence, to look at the whole thought, the whole context. And there's actually a reference at the end of verse 13, to the coming of Christ. It says there in verse 13, to hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's talking about when Jesus comes back. Uh, there's another reference to that earlier in the same chapter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. If you look at the very last part of verse 7, it says, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, so, he's, so he's referring, at least... It, in part, to talking about what it's going to be like. And by the way, there's nothing really that will do more for us wanting to keep our life on the right path and keeping in mind that Jesus could come at any moment. And God intended for us to think like that. God wanted us to think like that. Peter, 2,000 years ago, was thinking like that, and he reminded them he's coming back, and here's some things that certainly pertain to his coming. And back to verse 13, he says, having... In that, in that first part of verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Sober there means to be sober-minded, to be serious. Have a have be serious-minded, seriously-minded concerning the future and the coming of Christ. And, having, and, and with that as sort of a backdrop, he talks very in very de detailed words about holiness and about how we ought to live holy lives because because we're here waiting on Jesus to come back. We're looking for him to come back. We're living for him to come back. And he says twice in these few verses about we ought to, we ought to live holy lives. And twice he said, be ye holy. Look in, verse, look in verse 15 where he says, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversation. In verse 16 he says, as it is written, be ye holy. So twice he says the same things that we ought to be holy. Now, people have a lot of different ideas about holiness, and sometimes people don't really like to think about it too much, but, but really it ought to be a priority in our life. We ought to know what holiness is, and it's a command from God. 
It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command that we live holy lives. Sometimes when people think of holiness, they only think about a list of rules or external standards, you know, you got, holiness is, you know, this or that or whatever. But holiness is not just about external standards. You know, you could take, a, you could take any person, sometimes even a lost person, might, might carry themselves in a way that we would think, well, that's a good way to do it. They might respect the authority, like, well, that's a good thing to do. But all these things don't, do not really make up what holiness is. Holiness begins with an attitude in the heart. An attitude and a change in a person's heart. When a person's heart desires holiness, it's going to influence everything about us. It's going to influence our language. It's going to influence our attitude. It'll influence our associations, our friendships, our relationships. It'll influence the way we spend our time, our activities. It'll, spend, it'll even affect our appearance. Every, if we want to live holy lives, it's going to affect every part of our life. Now, now think about that for a moment. You might think, well, that's not possible. I mean, that's not practical that holiness would affect every part of our life. But look what he says in verse 15. As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. And notice the last part of the verse. In all manner of conversation. Now, the the phrase all manner means every part. All manner. In all manner of conversation. What does the word conversation mean? If I were to ask that you to answer this, many of you could answer this. We... We know that the word conversation in the Bible usually is not just talking about your words. Your words are part of it. But conversation is your conduct, your lifestyle, your behavior, your deportment, your conduct, all those things. All those things, conversation is the way you live your life. Now when he says, in all manner of conversation, what he means is, what he's saying is, clearly, in every part of your life. Be holy in every part of your life. Now a person could say, well, do you think, do you think fishing is holy? Maybe. <laughs> do you think playing golf is holy? Activities themselves are not holy or unholy necessarily. But the way we play golf or the way we fish or our attitude about it and the way we, the way we go about it is where we ought, to, we ought to be holy whatever we're doing. That's what God is saying. Now, if we're going to believe the Bible, we have to believe that. We may not, we may not automatically know what that means and how to flesh that out, but, but it, that's exactly what God wants us to do. Holiness should influence every part of our life. Our private life, our public life, our vocational life, our occupational life, our leisure, our church life, it ought to affect every part of our life. Now, what is holiness? We talked about this uh, Sunday night couple of Sunday nights ago, but the word holy, I'm just going to give you some various aspects of holiness. You know, holiness means to be consecrated. It means it's set apart. Uh, there's a great distinction in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, we'll talk about this at another lesson maybe, that, that God makes a distinction between the holy and the profane. Holy is something dev- dev- devoted to God. Profane is something that's common. We might use the word secular, but it's not really a good word. Common's a better word. You know, when Peter saw this vision in 
acts of this sheet coming down and there were various animals and critters in that sheet that came down and, and, and he was told to rise and eat and he says, not me, I've never eaten that which is common. They, the word common there is like something that's not holy. It was something that was unclean, something that was not a part of his dietary um, upbringing. So when it says holy, holy is something that's set apart, something that's consecrated, and it's pure, and it's, we would call it sacred. When, when, when you talk about uh, sometimes a word that's used uh, for the, uh, the Old Testament tabernacle or the temple is the sanctuary. Sometimes we refer to the auditorium of the church as the sanctuary. The word sanctuary means that it's, it's not common. It's not like any other building. It's not like going to the park. It's a, it's a place devoted to the worship of God. That's what holy is. It's something consecrated to God. It's a holy place. It's not a common place. It's the, it's the opposite. Holiness is the opposite of profane. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and it says in verse 15... As he which hath called you is holy. And let's think about that phrase. But as he which has called you. And I think most of us would recognize that he who's called us is God. As he which hath called you is holy. So to begin to understand what holiness is, we need to be reminded, I think, that God is holy. God is holy. He's pure. He's sacred. He's set apart. There's none like Him. He's undefiled by sin. He's holy. There's, there's none to be compared to Him. The, the standard for holiness is not any person in this room except the unseen presence of God. He's the standard for holiness. And uh, Go to the right from 1 Peter. We'll come back to 1 Peter, but go to the right to 1 John. And 1 John chapter 1 in verse, verse 5. Just one verse. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, John writes, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is pure light. God is holy. The, holiness is not just what he does. Holiness is what he is. It's his character. He's holy. There's not any defilement in him. God is, God is so holy that the Bible... Uh, Isaiah wrote about this in chapter 6 and John wrote about it in Revelation that there are angels that are stationed around the throne saying continually, holy, holy, holy. They've been saying it for a long time. They're going to say it for a long time. That's all they're going to say is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. God is holy and His holiness ought to be recognized. And I think this is a very important thing for us to begin, this is like the, the platform that we want to build our idea of holiness on, and that is that God is altogether holy. He's not like us. Now, one of these days, we're going to be like Him. 
It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we'll be like him, for we shall see him be like he is. One of these days we're going to be like him, but we're not like him now. He's holy. And he who is holy commands us to be holy. Look in verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So the first, the first thought tonight is God is holy. But here's the second thought, and I want you, you really have to think with me tonight. And I'm going I'm to make a statement, and then we're going we're to just affirm it by the Scripture. Those of us who are saved, we are holy. Now, we will be holy, but we are holy. As a matter of fact, dozens of times in the New Testament, it called, it has, there, here's the word that it used to describe believers. It's the word saints. Who are the saints? We know who the saints are. The saints are those who are dead, and a committee gets together and nominates and approves them to be saints. That's my goal in life, to be, as the, be St. Thomas. Hold your finger here in 1 Peter. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let's just think about this. Think with me about this tonight. We are holy. Look in Acts chapter 9. And we're just going to look at a few verses. There are dozens of them. We'll look at a few. Acts chapter 9 and verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord... He's talking to the Lord. Ananias is about Saul of Tarsus. Acts 9.13 And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. The same chapter, Acts chapter 9 and verse 32. Acts 9.32 And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Acts chapter 9 and verse 41. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. We're in Acts. Go to next book to the right, to Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7 it says, Paul writes to all that be in Rome, beloved of God called to be saints. Go to Acts chapter 15. I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 25. Paul says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the, what? Saints. Verse 26, For it pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor Saints, which are at Jerusalem. I think you get the point. I could give you many others, dozens of them. Now, why is that important? Because the word saint means holy. Now, this is, may be a technicality to you, but the, the word that's translated into the word saint is hagios. It's a Greek word, hagios. The word that is translated in the New Testament as holy is the word hagios. Both Hagia, a, a saint and holy are synonyms. They mean the same thing. 
The same, the same God who is holy, the same Bible says God is holy, calls us holy. We're saints. That, what is it? Now, how, what makes us saints? We're saints because we are set, we are consecrated to God. We belong to God. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. I, we've been we are devoted to God. We are God's people. We are saints. We've been cleansed. We've been forgiven. We've been set apart. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and we have received, whether we realize it or see it, evidence of it, we have received the imputed righteousness of Christ. That means that God put the righteousness, his own righteousness on us. And you're thinking about that husband that sits beside you or that wife that sits beside you or that teenager that you saw this morning acting out. said, he's, he's not a saint. Yes, he is. If he's saved, he is. When God, when God looks at us, God looks at us as the fact that we are, we are saints. Now, that verse, I, I referred to that verse a moment ago. I'm going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where he says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us. He made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God, that's who we are. We're, we belong to him. And that's how we know, we know it because he says it, that when we end this life and we go before him, when we leave this life and go to be with him, we're going to be made just like him. Now, we're a work in progress, but we, we are holy. Holiness is a part of our spiritual DNA. We're born, we're born with it. When you're born again, you're born into the family of God. We're born in the family of God, and God's, we're saints, right? Back to 1 Peter chapter 1. I think this is a hard concept for some people to accept. It's not really a concept. It's a doctrinal reality. When I got saved, I became a saint. Does that mean I, I, I'm sinlessly perfect? No. But it... But it does mean, that's why Paul said, when I do, it's not, I remember Pastor Weiss preached some message along this line since he's been here. When, when Paul was writing there in Romans chapter uh, 7, he says, when I sin, it's no longer me. I that do it. It's not, that's not me, because the, the new me, and he also had a message in, in uh, 1 John where he says that which is born of God cannot sin. We're, we, we, we need to see that there's a part of us that is sinless. There's a part of us that is, that is truly a holy saint of God. Now, there's a number of reasons why that's important. One of them is because the Bible says it is. But another one is for us to be holy, we need to see that we are holy. And I know there's a lot of children of God that just cannot, cannot wrap their mind around the fact that we are to live holy lives because we're used to that person that we see every day and we get upset about things and worry about stuff and think thoughts we shouldn't think. And we say, well, there's no way I could be holy. But the basis of our belief is not what we see or what we feel or what we think. The basis of what we believe is what God says. 
that God be true and every man a liar. Okay, so God is holy, and, and I don't feel like I've convinced you of this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. You're holy. We are holy. Now that brings us to my third point, and that is this. We who are holy are to be holy. I mean, that's what he's saying in 1 Peter chapter 1 there. Verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So that's why I said the title of the message is being holy and being holy. Being holy is, if you're in Christ, you are holy. You're a saint. Being holy and being holy, living like you're holy. That's what he's talking about here in verses 14 through 16. We're to live holy lives. He quotes from, this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. Look in verse 16 where it says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It's written somewhere. Where is it written? It's actually written in the book of Leviticus. Go, just go there. Just, just to point this out, we don't spend any time there, but Leviticus chapter 11, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 11. And let's look at verse 45. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You know, when Peter's writing this epistle, Peter, of course, is a, a Jewish believer, very familiar with the law, very familiar with the Old Testament. And as he's admonishing the readers to be holy because God is holy, he drew from this command from the Old Testament. Now, he... Here, this is not incidental. This is important. Peter knew that God, the God of the Old Testament, has not changed in the New Testament era. The same God that said to the Jewish people, Be holy, for I'm holy, says to the New Testament saints, Be holy, for I'm holy. I realize there's a lot in the Old Testament, a lot of their ceremonial law that does not apply to us, a lot of their dietary restrictions do not apply to us. How do you know it doesn't? Because the New Testament says it doesn't. But that doesn't mean the holiness of God that he intends for us to live has, has been somehow dismissed. It's just not true. So we're to, we're to be holy. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're to... Holiness should characterize our lives. We are holy... We're to be holy. I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, different paths a person could go with this, and some of them, I think, would not be scriptural. One, one, one path that's not scriptural is this. A person could say, well, because I'm holy and God accepts me and I'm accepted in the beloved and I've been washed, I've been cleansed, I'm seated with Christ, it doesn't really matter how I live. That's not true. 
That's not true. You are holy, but you're to be holy. And where, where, where should holiness be seen in my life? In all manner of conversation, in every part of our life, holiness should be a factor. Some, some people I don't think really necessarily like this. That's not one of their favorite subjects, but I'll tell you there's a lot in the Bible about it. And we ought to take it seriously. If you're a saint, if you're saved, if you're, if you're saved, you're a saint. That means you're holy. But, but holy living is to live out the holiness that's in us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy God lives within us. And so we're to, living holy is like letting Him live His life through us. Now, I'm not going to back, go back to 2 Corinthians, but I mentioned that first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 where it says, perfecting holiness. Perfecting holy. Perfecting means to complete, to f- fulfill further. And that ought, to be the, that ought to be the story of our life. When you get saved, whether it's a, a youngster, a teenager, an adult, when you get saved, you're made a new creature. That doesn't mean you just get a lot of new rules and regulations. It means you're a brand new person. From the inside out, you're you're a brand new person. You've been born again. And when you got saved, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God came to live within you. And we all have our battles that we deal with and our sinful nature we have to deal with. But but all of us have a holy God living within us. And He he wants us to be holy. He wants to be holy. He's going to be holy. And He lives within us. And we ought to be perfecting holiness. We ought to be, we ought to be growing in holiness. Look in, verse, look in verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 1. But as he which hath called you is holy. Reflect for a moment on the holiness of God. As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We're, we're to pattern we're to pattern ourselves after the holy God that we serve. As He is holy, we're to be holy. Now, I know that a person could look at this and get discouraged and defeated and frustrated and say, well, I, I just keep, I keep messing up and making mistakes, but it helps to know this. If you're really saved, it helps to know that that we're all a work in progress. And God sees us as saints. God says we're saints. But God tells us we're on a journey where we're to be perfecting holiness. We ought to be, we ought to be becoming more and more holy. And it ought to affect every part of our life. The more we think like this, God, how would you want me to handle this? How would you want me to respond? How would you want me to spend this time? The more we do this, the more we're going to see God working in our life. We who are holy are to be holy. Now, if you're in 1 Peter, turn to the left. Just a couple of books to the book of Hebrews. I'm going to just go quickly to a couple of verses just to kind of accent this. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. This this chapter, Hebrews 12, is a chapter that deals with chastisement, which is a fun subject. Hebrews 12 and verse 10, it says this, For they, talking about our our parents, fathers of our flesh, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. That doesn't necessarily mean that they just enjoyed it. (laughs) Though it is fun sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, chastens us for our profit. Notice this, that we might be partakers of his holiness. He chastens us that we could be partakers of his holiness. You know, if we, if we try to teach our children that you're supposed to do this and not supposed to do this and you're supposed to wear that and don't wear that and, and all we ever do is just teach them rules, they're going to miss the whole point. But what we need to help each other understand is that we are holy. Our God is holy. And we are to be becoming holy as we are holy. That we want to live holy lives. We were just there in Hebrews, but go left to a couple of more books to 1 Thessalonians. Go past 1 and 2 Timothy to 1 Thessalonians. And just one verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7. The verses prior to that, Paul writes to the Thessalonican believers about sanctification and abstaining from moral sin. But look what it says in verse 7. First Thessalonians 4, 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Okay, now who has God called to holiness? Who has God called to holiness? He's called every one of His children to holiness. Every one of us. You may think, well, I think the preacher ought to be holy, and I think the preacher's wife ought to be holy. No, God, the same God who wants me to live a holy life wants all of us to live a holy lives. This is our calling. I'm back to 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 14, he says, As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. So this is a part of our calling. We're to be obedient children. Verse 14, the first few words, as obedient children. We're to live obedient lives, but the next part of verse 14, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. The word fashion has to do with patterning yourself or conforming yourself. We're not to be conformed. We're not, we're not to be conformed to some standard based on our former lusts, what we used to like, what we used to want to look like and act like and the things we used to... We're not to be patterning ourselves after that. We're to be obedient to God. Now... I was reminded, my wife and I were reminded uh, while we were gone, we got a little snapshot of our a blast from the past when an old friend of ours, actually an old relative of ours, sent me a picture of my wife and I back before we were ever saved. And I'm telling you, I thought, that poor, blessed, lost soul. That was talking about her, of course. But you know what? I didn't need a change in my hairstyle, although I had, my hair was really long. I didn't need a change in my vocabulary, though I used profanity. I didn't need a change in my wardrobe. What I needed was a change in my heart. 
We're not to fashion ourselves according to our former lust. And the change in our heart brings about a change in our lifestyle. The change in our heart brings about a change in our desires. Inward holiness will impact our outward conversation, the way we live our life. You know, you could, you could take a person, this happened to me and it's happened to a lot of you probably, you could take a person who's an adult or a teenager, I'm used to older people, a teenager, an adult, and they've been running with the wrong people and listening to the wrong music and dressing the wrong way and saying the wrong stuff and having the wrong friends. And let that person get saved. And it ought to be within a few weeks or maybe longer than that, but with a few weeks, those friends are going to start noticing some changes in your life. You don't use that language like you used to. You're more concerned about that than you ever were. You know why? Because it wasn't because you changed your your conversation, your words, or your it was because your heart got changed. And when your heart gets changed, it's going to affect the. That's why if we're going to understand holiness, we can't just make it about the way you wear your hair or those kinds. It's about your heart. It's about it's about where your heart is. And inward holiness will affect all manner of conversation, every part of our life, our attitudes. We won't want to say things that are disrespectful. We won't want to say things that are unkind. We won't want to say things that are profane. And if we do, we, we want to make it right. Our attitude about authority, our friendships, our relationships, all these things will change. I'm, going to, I'm just going to wrap this up. We'll, we'll have another lesson on this sometime in the future. We don't separate from sin so we can become God's children. We separate from sin because we are God's children. And being holy makes us want to be holy. Does that make sense? Being holy. We're saints. We belong to God. The Spirit of God lives within us. Being holy makes us want to be holy. Live holy lives. And you know what? If a person if a person has it in their heart to want to please God, God will lead them and help them figure out how, how they're supposed to live their life. I, I remember teaching a series in our church. I've done it a couple of times over the years on standards of dress and things of that nature. And and, and one of the things I've always, and it seems like ladies usually have more of an issue with that, even though we don't preach a lot and teach a lot about it. It's just, a, it's, but it's, but I, I've always said this. If you as a young lady would stand before your mirror with a sincere heart and say, God, how do you want me to dress? How do you want me? To live. You know what? It makes it a lot easier to figure stuff out. Amen. When we're not thinking about, oh, I want, I want somebody to notice this about me. That's not the important thing. It's not what somebody, the important thing is what does God think about this? And when we leave that out of the equation, then we're going to be way off on trying to figure out what God really wants from us. And you could apply that to the music we listen to and the people we hang around with and the places we go. 
being holy and being holy. There's a difference. One is what we are. The other is what we are. are. What we're becoming. Amen? As preachers, we have a tendency, I have a tendency, to think that whatever series or topic I'm teaching on is by, and by all means the most important one in the Bible. <laughs> so I'm not saying this is the most, but this is a very important subject for every person to really wrap their mind around. I am holy. Because I'm holy, I don't want to live in sin. Because I'm holy, I want to be holy. Amen? Amen?